1: Hello everybody, welcome to the Walk Culture Gaming Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Taylor, joined by Josh Brown. Hello, Scott. Hello, sir, and Ewan Patterson. Hello, both of you. Hello, we thought we'd do a big old deep dive on the Avengers beta, because we all played it um, from, I think it was Friday we first got access, we played it mm-hmm. all weekend uh, to different degrees, based on how you might or might not have felt uh, favourably towards it, um, and we're just going to break down so- all sorts of different things, so the first note I have written down is AAA mobile game, I'm not very positive <laughs> on this game, but I just, I'm just i going to pass it over to you guys, I know that you and your way more positive on it than me, I think Josh is kind of in the middle, but um, whichever one of you wants to to lead, feel free.
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm—I wouldn't say that I'm like full on embracing the game as the next coming of Insomniac Spider-Man <laughs> or anything like that. I do think there are very clear, obvious issues, um, and this, you know, as with all games as a service titles, the game will live or die based on how strong the post-launch support is and whether the, you know, the the mechanics and systems they have in the game are compelling enough to go through again and again. And, during my time playing the beta, there were moments where it did click and there were moments where I was kind of staring through the cracks and thinking, would I, can I see myself playing this for a long enough period of time until the next content drop yeah. or whatever? Um, but I think at its core, you know, the the game is both disappointing and pleasantly surprising, which is, you know, it might seem kind of oxymoronic to, to, to say that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did have a lot of fun playing with friends and I got the opportunity to actually play with friends. And I did kind of, I think I mentioned it to both of you guys as well, that, the beta kind of confused me in the sense that I couldn't tell whether it was an opportunity to play test the game or whether they wanted uh, it to be an advert for the game as well. So it's It's like, oh, we've include the opening e3 demo where you can play as all the avengers and then you have to do this amount of story before you can do the cop i think honestly they should have just launched straight into the co-op elements right away because they didn't make yeah. it clear when you could and couldn't play with friends mm-hmm. and then when i finally got to play with friends um there's only so much the beta you can actually do with them but at the same time you know i had a great time playing with friends i played most of the beta as black widow i got a cool skin for her my mate was playing as hulk the entire time and it was just mm-hmm. great you had so many great moments where you'd team up to do like a. A team up takedown or whatever and i enjoyed that i enjoyed uh the way kamala khan was to play i think the story's got some good stuff as well i'm branching out too large here because there's other stuff we want to get into later (laughs) but overall i I, it was it was a six or a seven out of ten of my impressions out of ten i thought clear elements to improve uh skeptical on certain bits but overall the the core feature of the game which is playing as the avengers with your friends i found to be quite enjoyable
1: that's good. That's I mean, that's obviously what they're aiming for. There's a, t- I mean, my thing with the the positives well, like the production value is insane. Like the cast they've got is incredible. I, lo- I like the potential of the story. And um, like you said with Kamala, I like the stuff that they set up. Um, Such and a good like- anchor yeah 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 she, exactly she's such a good anchor for being this sort of like this big fan who sort of but gets to you know live her dream and meet the avengers and you use that as the conduit to then explore things like the chimera hq ship and stuff like that um and like the animation is just phenomenal everything um, it's very much a game of two halves like i think that i as soon as you start playing you're hit with hey make a square enix account go and tie that into this thing and make sure that you know you're going to be signed up to all these different um offers and notifications and hey we've got this deal with verizon and we're doing all these different <laughs> things you want to play it's, the it's, <laughs> The the Virgin Media skin and I'm just like what the hell are you guys doing? And so like there's there's almost two halves to it where it is this multiplayer over the top. You can totally see why someone like Square Enix would do this. Like they're given the keys to the Marvel Kingdom, so they've gone completely all out. But then on the other side is this more considered story thing with cutscenes, a great cast, and a, a nice sort of emotional anchor where it's like oh I care about that. But the clash in the middle is just so jarring. Um, Josh, what's your overall thoughts?
3: Oh, I'm very similar to you two. Like, I'm straight down the middle on this thing, and there are so many fundamental issues that I have with it. But there yeah. are also, there were like, like Ewan said, there were times when I was surprised. I was surprised when I booted it up, and I enjoyed that opening E3 mission so much. I was surprised really? at how uh, strong it felt. Like, to play, I think the combat feels really good. Like, uh, doing the superhero kind of leap with um, Kamala like feels good. Like, that is well-communicated kinetically through the controller. And you can, like
1: rhythmically sort of bounce with her, Yeah, like, yeah you can like bouncing bit, around
3: yeah. and stuff. Like, like, the core gameplay, I think, you know, works wonders. But I do have kind of major issues with uh, the loot system in particular, which we'll no doubt get to. And mm. kind of, like, like, yeah, the weird... Juxtaposition almost between this kind of really interesting story and then its position as this games as service, uh, you know, experience with friends where you're encouraged to grind out loot, grind out Mm -hmm. gear, grind out missions, grind out objectives. And I just found that kind of frustrating because every time it hit a really interesting plot beat, for instance, with you know, uh, I loved the kind of interplay between Banner and Kamala, like Mm -hmm. her as this kind of like teen looking up to the Avengers and stuff, and him as kind of this almost disenfranchised veteran kind of getting back in the saddle but um like when when that was instantly ground to a halt when I would come to kind of this barren open area where I had no incentive to look around and that is partly because of how shallow I find the the loot system and I can't really talk about things I didn't like without jumping into this now so sorry mm-hmm. if that was planned for no, no, I've, I've
1: got a bunch of little notes but yeah man just just hop around go for it loot's the cool. next day I was going to target anyway
3: Cool. Uh, yeah, that's like the issue for me. When it comes to like these games, I can usually excuse a lot of copied and pasted mission design. Are quite rot. Um yeah, objectives or combat and stuff because you do get that constant stream of gratification from like the loot and seeing the uh the colors pop up and having a new piece of armor and stuff. It sounds quite shallow, but there really is something in that. There's a reason why you know the likes of Destiny and Borderlands uh are so kind of like well received because once you're on that loot, once you're on that grind, it can be incredibly fun. But this here isn't the kind of loot that appeals to me, like getting
2: it new, um,
3: <laughs> it's uh, invisible bracelets. Loot or new um, bangles or whatever that don't kind of aren't reflected cosmetically or aren't reflected in new kind of attacks. Yes, sometimes you get a different colour for a special ability or something, but it's not something that I would want to spend time investing in. I've never been interested in that kind of Passive, um, you know, structure when it comes to leveling up and altering mm. your characters and altering your gear. I didn't like it in Marvel Ultimate Alliance, I didn't like it in <laughs> the old school kind of. I will, will super gear. quickly
1: point out that, um, with yeah. Iron Man, you can unlock, um, you can get because you start with repulsors, you can also get lasers, and he has another thing that you so it does change his attack string, but like he's one of the only characters that that happens to. But it's not like yeah. they applied that across the board, it's yeah. not like it really meaningfully means I mean, anything. I really think
2: yeah. they should have taken a leaf out of Injustice's book for this. I don't know how you guys feel but i feel as though injustice got the the, that spot on it did lead to occasionally weird results where you'd see someone in a like a a weird you know a a yellow green arrow or something which makes no sense i'm sorry whoever chooses to do that in injustice 2 is an idiot in my book um (laughs) but at the same time you know i really do think if i'm gonna get if if you're gonna take me to if i'm gonna unlock a new piece of loot it's like oh you've unlocked Black Widows, Hank Pym, tech ammunition—that should be reflected on her. Like if she's got yeah. like a skin that has her, mm-hmm. her magazines or clips or whatever that are strapped to her, it should reflect that. And the same goes for like a shop bracelets and stuff. Each bit of gear should influence each costume. And you know the the way they'd counteract saying that would be well, you'd get an eclectic mix of weird costumes or whatever. Um, take a leaf out of Ghost of Sushima's book as well, where you had the situation where you could upgrade your armor, but if there was a particular cosmetic look you preferred, mm-hmm. you could. Make it into that as well. There's no reason why you can't have your cake and eat it in some regards. Mm-hmm. Although, you know, mm-hmm. I, I definitely see the, the 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 cons and and pros to both of that. I think Scott, they mentioned that. They didn't want to see people flying around with pink well, Thor hammer, which is the same excuse EA used for pink Darth Vader and Star pink Wars Battlefront yeah. 2 is that if there isn't a way to logically ground a loot system within the the lore and the mythos of the Marvel Universe. It's completely easy. There are so many different kinds of hammers that Thor's used over the years. You could have mm-hmm. stuff from the Ultimate Universe, whatever universe. So many different things you could pull from there. And it is just frankly bizarre that we're getting... Again, what's the goal? they the What's wrong with pink? Like, why
1: do they go after pink again? I don't get it. Well, the thing is, I have a whole theory for this, and I'm not. It's not based on anything other than just me lining up a few things, and it's pure theory. I think Square Enix mandated this loot system one because it's invisible. Um, it's entirely based on stats, and like you know, you you unlock a bunch of different gear, you get things from chests or whatever, but it's all stat based. It's nothing changes aesthetically. It's only full skins, uh, full costumes that change. Um, Square Enix also, um, you know, you look at this whole history. Jim Sterling uh, shone a light on it back when he did a video talking to some ex. Idos staff and um, about how Square Enix forced a uh, the breach mode the microtransaction breach mode into Deus Ex Mankind Divided and um, that they didn't want and it was something that was mandated by the publisher. This just feels like a story that was set in motion. The story mode, all the characters, the cast, everything else, um, is brilliant. You can tell there's love and care there, um, and the loot system wasn't part of that at the beginning. And then it feels like a publisher mandated they stepped in and said, "Can you just tag on a loot system because we want to do all these brand deals?" Hence, Verizon, Virgin Media, Five, Wrigley's Gum, everything else. Else, um, that only benefits the publisher really um, and, you know, and it just feels like they've done all of this on the side hence why the loot system is very much plugged in and hence why all the um, you know, mission arenas and environments are so rote, stretched out and bloated because they want you to rerun them over and over again almost like a set of story missions that have then been applied to a series of multiplayer arenas so a full you know, theory time but I just <laughs> swear Enix <laughs> had a history of being money driven Taking a now. drug
2: of a cigarette Yeah, exactly In the car park
1: <laughs> it just it totally lines up for me so like i said square enix are very money grubby and uh and someone like them, it's almost like i can't blame them either like they've been given the keys to the the marvel side of things and if you're them if you're the number crunchers and you don't really care that much about quality it's all you've ticked the box of story so let's just go hog wild with as many sponsorship deals as we can and as many yeah. number grindy things as possible um yeah what's your initial thoughts on that because there is um something else to the the way that they're approaching
3: uh, monetization as well
1: but we can get to that in a second
3: like initially when when you when you said that to me I wasn't entirely convinced because I thought like that seemed like such a a, a major thing to kind of mm. have to graft onto something already built but when I was doing like uh, reading interviews by some of like the uh, the developers and I think uh, Scott Amos did a few who was the mm-hmm. co-head of Crystal M um, Dynamics and they were talking about why they chose to make most of the customization most of the gear kind of invisible and they were saying like well we want to ground this in the Marvel universe we want to have a distinct aesthetic we don't want to have Something that looks out of place, like a pink um, Thor uh, hammer. But like, mm-hmm. my question is, then why have you chosen a subgenre that's based around those concepts? You know what I mean? Like, yep. it, those two decisions seem wildly at odds at each other. And it, it sounds like they're trying to have their cake and eat it too—have this incredibly popular subgenre and also have a kind of distinct look and personality for their game that fits mm-hmm. in with kind of. You know, the Marvel universe, I guess, and doesn't really take uh, chances to have those eccentricities or those kind of weird quirks by having a bunch of different uh, kind of strange and jarring gear grafted on. But like, yeah, it just seems like what what came first? Did the gear system come first or was that something that was well, added later on? Or how did there's, they no, but there's no way line that these things up?
1: Yeah, there's no, any game with a with a decent loot system, Injustice, Diablo, they have all the assets, the art assets for those pieces of loot, nigh on from the beginning, or that's part of the initial projected plan for the project, um, and I just, you don't have an invisible loot system unless it's something came in later, or at least that's how I see it, I just don't see the point of doing an invisible loot system, and then yeah. falling back on the same toss that was like, you know, rolled out with Battlefront 2, where they're just like, well, nobody wants the
3: loot system, it's like,
1: come on, man like if this is what you you guys were doing
3: you know yeah like like the the biggest issue for me isn't it's not like i'm complaining because i can't see a new bracelet or something my main Mm. issue is that because of that it makes it entirely numbers based and that's something that just completely disinterests me entirely about so many games when i'm oh i'm simply playing to push those numbers up to get an extra 20 percent critical damage to get an extra 10 added to my damage like that's not what I'm interested in when it comes to loot. Yeah, that's always cool to kind of feel powerful, but when it's Mm. literally just me opening chests that boost the numbers, that's not compelling. And even in the beta, when Jarvis was telling me that there was some loot over there somewhere, I was like, I Mm. I don't care, Jarvis. I love you, mate. (laughs) You're a a legend, but at the same time, I'm not going to go out of my way to get something that I'm not invested in even if you do yeah. it's
1: just more crafting
2: well, i was, anyway. was going to mention yeah. anyway the fact that they have a quick assign button to equip best gear to me that's the biggest telltale sign yep. that there isn't much thought that's going to this you know if you're making a game and you were leveling up very quickly in the bait, i don't know whether that'll be the same case in, in, the, in the full game or whatever but it was the case i'd get a new piece of gear and then i just hold l2 And I get it and I wouldn't read what it was doing. It's just like, well, this number is bigger than this number and the game is telling me that it's better. (laughs) So I'll put that in there. Whereas, you know, really, ideally, you want players to think about the decisions. Mm -hmm. Uh, If it's going to be the case of every piece of gear can be, you know, quantified down to this number is higher, hold left trigger, to equip said gear. No one's characters are gonna feel as unique as they keep on saying in the marketing, or you know, they keep on saying when you're playing in co-op with other people, uh, no one's Thor will be the same as someone else's Thor or whatever, when I can guarantee that most of the people playing this game won't be thinking about the gear that they're, they're equipping because it's a simple case that the game itself is telling you this piece of gear is superior, just to equip that. And again, yeah. it might all be random, but I don't think they're, like you said, you know, it, it seems so at odds with each other. They're not actually, they're encouraging people to be like, well, you need to think about who you want your Avenger to be, but then boiling it down to such a bare bones mechanic and you know that's that's the thing that that really stands out to me and so that definitely needs to be improved upon.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah I just like there's a a potential for this like because the thing is in the lead up to release they were talking a lot about it being a live service and that potentially there's the idea that certain crimes could kick off in certain levels or certain parts you know you'd get like a notification or you could potentially get a notification saying like hey you and you and your boys should like posse up and go respond because you know some random dude the destroyer is loose and he's destroying the city and why don't you know What's the name of that dude with the big laser face from the first Thor movie? Is that not called the... A destroyer the Destroyer Armour. Yeah, this, he's got that big thing, you know, the big metal. You didn't man. mention the
2: armor part, so I thought you were going on. That could have been <laughs> Ghost of the Destroyer from Ghostbusters, mate. <laughs> that was pretty Ghostbusters jokes. Iron Man. recall the Hulkbuster as well. Just thought I. Yeah, just what, whatever's loose.
1: That. Something, you know, something's tearing up the uh, the city, and you and the lads need to go and drop in and take care of it. I love the idea of that, especially if you can make it so that, like you said, everybody's individual character is worthwhile, and all of a sudden you're, you know, running in as Hulk and Kamala, and you see Iron Man fly overhead, and he's busting out loads of attacks that you haven't unlocked yet, or like he's a, a approaching battle in a way that's like oh my god that i just rethought the way that i might approach battle Mm -hmm. that's a really really cool idea but it's nothing like that because the co-op gets close to it in terms of you can watch people mash everything together but there's no real strategy in it you're still just mashing square and triangle Mm -hmm. Um, and i was gonna say the um the opening bit for me like i I like, it. like nearly everything with me and JP, we clash on stuff. I didn't think that the <laughs> combat felt good. I thought it felt really sluggish and too slow and light and floaty compared to things like Devil May Cry or Nier or, you know, any platinum game, things like I- that.
2: I have a I have a thing with the combat in the sense mm. that I definitely think they've done just enough to make every hero different, but it's not what I was expecting going into this game. I was almost expecting, and it might have been an unrealistic expectation. I was expecting every single character to feel almost like they were in there occupying their own space in a different video game. Almost, I hope so. Whereas in here, it's still the case of everyone is pressing square or triangle to do a mixture of light and heavy attacks that do a similar amount of damage depending on where they land. Mm. Everyone uh holds left trigger to have a ranged attack and can hit the same or you know black widow can maybe reach further with her with her pistols or whatever but everyone at the end of the day can either pick up some rubble to throw a -hmm. shield to throw or in the case of kamala khan you know use a big old palm of a hand yeah so again i am i'm caught between two minds on this because i definitely think there is enough to distinguish each each character and you know in retrospect maybe it was unrealistic to think that 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 each character would be that different um Mm -hmm. But equally, I can definitely see some of the complaints. I think the most frustrating thing for me about the beta was that Thor was by far the funnest character to play as. And he'd <laughs> get to, to just play as him for like 30 seconds. I love that mm-hmm. idea of throwing your hammer, keeping a guy, saying, like, you stay there now. You, you're not going anywhere. And then I'll punch this guy. Then I'll call the hammer <laughs> back. And that'll knock him. That's really cool. And there are moments yeah. where the combat feels genuinely kinetic and interconnective and reactive. But I definitely think there needs to be more fluidity there, I would I would mm-hmm. potentially say, especially when the counter system is con- and, you know, concerned and i still think there are so many different icons assaulting you in the ui when combat is happening it's very difficult to tell when you should be able to counter something it's very difficult to tell whether you can block whether you can dodge mm. and you know there were the typical you know glitches i had in the beta that, where the enemies would just like lag around and stuff and you know the frame rate really tanked to me on some of the heavier set yeah, pieces yeah. um but you know I, I, the combat is functional with You know, clear areas to improve. I thought I wasn't dissatisfied i definitely
1: am expecting
2: more in the future i guess
1: Mm -hmm. i would tag on with the combat stuff like a lot of the sound design like i think most of it hits but there's something about like the the hit sound effects and stuff it just feels like you're just hitting them with like an aluminium hammer or something there was just something a bit lacking for me in the combat side of it and a game like this if you're going to sort of hang a long-term multiplayer on like you know one set of game mechanics then it needs to be immaculate it needs to be a destiny and but not early destiny in terms of the mission objectives Mm -hmm. it needs to have that immaculate feel which is the only thing that kept destiny alive when every other part of it was falling apart and um, we should talk about mission design and i guess we can talk about story stuff too um josh what was your sort of thoughts on like the way the story rolled out and the mission objectives you mentioned like the barren environments and stuff um, but the actual yeah. mission objectives themselves that was for me it was like oh go flick three switches go defend this part of the environment
3: yeah i mean like honestly playing this game on my own because we couldn't get a chance to play with each other that first night and i didn't actually do any of the multiplayer stuff um throughout oh. my time with it so i was playing it all on my own and i remember getting to that it's like it's one of the early missions you get in the beta it's the one after you properly open up the war table and you have that mission with um hulk and uh kamala and mm-hmm. i just thought I, this is not for me. I was like, I'm only playing this now because we're going to cover it for work. I want to play I, had and I to, want to play yeah. fall guys or something because what <laughs> I was doing, like I just wasn't engaged with it, you know, having to protect a certain area from a bunch of uh, different waves of enemies or kind of having to go through these mostly kind of I thought the level design was kind of uninspired. I remember even when I was having fun, the levels themselves would drag on with kind of repeated structures, repeated hallways that are just everything overstayed is welcome. Mm. And I feel like there is a huge issue with um, kind of like repetition across the board. Like, like you guys were saying with combat there, like there is something about the roster that just does not inspire me whatsoever. And partly, it, partly it is because of the uniformity between the different heroes. Like you were saying, you always have a ranged attack. You're always pressing X uh, square, square triangle to kind of like, do these same combos. You're constantly holding triangle to break the shields and stuff. And it's like, I'm playing all of the characters the exact same. And while there are subtle variations in, you know, the movesets, the agility, like the speed and stuff, for me, it's not enough to get me intrigued. And when I swapped to Kamala for the first time, I thought, this is so fun. This is so great. I get to constantly use these really interesting powers. I get to hold, you know, R2 to kind of beef myself up. And I thought that was a really interesting thing but doing the same thing over and over again in these missions in the same way and not changing things up. And yeah, that's partly because it's a beta and I hadn't unlocked all the powers. But if it's going to be so much of a grind to get to the point where it's fun, like I don't know if I will have that investment. So many of these games, and I will concede that I do drop off them quite a lot because I do rarely play them with friends and that is a huge kind of me issue. That's not necessarily how they're designed. But at the same time, there is a kind of mechanical roteness to the structure of it and the missions that you're doing and the kind of overall variety that just made me kind of annoyed and it, it was so frustrating because <laughs> it's not that I hate it it's just that there are great things there that you can point out that you can tangibly hold in your hands sometimes mm-hmm. but there is so much stuff kind of like bogging it down and that's the real frustrating part for me because I'm like with a few tweaks I could see how this could be could be great with a few kind of alterations, with a few injections of creativity or inspiration. Like this could be something special, but every Mm -hmm. unique thing either overstays its welcome, or like I said, just kind of gets engulfed by this, Kind of like by the numbers game design 101 thing it is literally it's by
1: the numbers as well like if you get yes. a tagline on it's literally by the numbers very quickly just say that they um, they are advertising it as you can play solo don't worry it's enjoyable as a single player experience as well as the <sighs> co-op thing um so you're not wrong to you know be disappointed by this the what it offers there to, uh, to a single player
4: I don't know if you're going to leap in there, you, because you've done uh, you've done a little bit of the co-op no, stuff.
1: I mean, yeah. a lot more of it anyway.
2: Yeah, I mean, the co-op for me was fine. I played with one of my friends on the Saturday and the Sunday, and again, I, I had we both had an enjoyable time in actually, you know, teaming up and like trying to interact and bounce off each other that way. Um, and I can definitely see going further. Um, if they make the, the level design more compelling, that's fine. I think the issue is, like you say, it's the structure of each level. It's very much you land in X environment, you have a few chests, maybe someone to rescue, and then the main objective. And then the main objective falls into a set of however many patterns. I hope that isn't going to be the case for the remainder of the game. You know, the story seems much more uh, linear and more um, you know, much more cinematic in that sense in that it's not just you go and do X thing over and over <clears> again. You know, we have the boss fight with Abomination, uh, yes. when you play as, as Hulk, which I really, that moment where he charges at Kamala and Hulk comes through, a brilliant moment, well done, I thought. Yeah. Um, but yeah, speaking of co-op, I just think that there needs to be more variety in how these, um, <clears throat> these levels actually work because playing the co-op, it, it felt like I, I was just, we were parachuted into an environment and you're roaming around and you're fighting the same things. And I just, I felt it needed more, like I needed more of a reason to to go to a certain place on the map rather than there is a box here. I think that was the main <laughs> thing that really kind of boiled it down to me is that like um, it made me feel almost like, and this is the worst thing about it because it was the best thing about the beta for me, but it did almost feel like I'm playing a co-op game uh, in a set in, a, in an area of the map that isn't designed for co-op, almost weirdly. Right. I don't know what I don't know what it is about it, but it just I felt as though I needed more to each level to make mm-hmm. it feel more unique and compelling to play like Josh mentioned earlier on, there are loads of repeat platforms, loads of repeat uh, interior corridors and obviously the narrative reason they can get away with that is because it's Abe and Abe building their labs all over the place and of course they're going to look all the same or whatever. They should
1: say that though, yeah. you know, like if they, to, if they want that to be their get out, yeah. then they should say that because yeah, you, you're totally right, there's barely any incentive other than there's probably some evil robots over here if you want to mm-hmm. have a bit look and see what's there yeah. um, I think it's it's worth saying that like yeah, the way that the uh, levels are designed, they there are small paths, like you'll see the markings that mean the Hulk can go this way um, or you'll see like a platform so it's like, oh, I can fly up to there or I can jump up there as Kamala or, or Widow but like they, the fundamental way that they've built it they can't make a level that only suits a certain character they have to make everything suit everybody um, and in that way it goes both ways because then all the characters need all the abilities like all the ranged abilities or be able to hold triangle to do a big heavy attack so that they can get through anything a level might throw at them and all those levels need to be kind of watered down to make sure they suit what is eventually going to be a, a pretty big uh, roster um, and even that like 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 um, Josh was saying, like the roster as it stands, like it's it's fine. Like it's old school. It's very 2012 Avengers um, or Avengers feel. It's I feel like they they're kind of going for like an MCU feel. Like there's a lot of moves that are in the MCU movies that you and you said are from the comics too. They kind of want to remind you right right when the Uh. Avengers was peaking. Sorry, Sorry, Josh. I, just, I, need, yeah. I, need to
3: get, I need to air one grievance, and I think this is—I don't know whether it's just a personal issue, Scott. Because I remember when uh, Insomniac Spider-Man came out, and Scott, mm-hmm. you had a had a big thing that I disagreed with at the time, where you said, "I've done all of these moves before, right. and I'm a bit." Sick I was comparing to the, it to the right? Arkham
1: Combat, and I was—I was saying that yes. like just because, like, yeah, they've they've Nyon lifted the Arkham Combat. I think they innovate on it with a lot more aerial stuff, but yeah.
3: Yeah, it, it, when it came to this, I sort of like disregarded it then because I was like, no, no, it's like really good, it's really engaging. But playing this, I had the exact same feeling. The first time I did the thunderclap with Hulk, I was like, <laughs> I've done this so many times before in so many video games and I understand that they need to take you know, the character's most iconic moves and kind of implement them because people will be annoyed if they're not in there. But it just felt like <clears throat> I was just going through the motions. I was like, I've done this. I've done this exact thing in Ultimate Alliance. I've done it when I've controlled the Hulk Uh, in other games and I don't know how you really necessarily get around that but I just I just felt instantly like I'd controlled these characters before and I kind of knew at least from a base ability perspective how to use them already and that's not inherently a bad thing but when you have so many other things that kind of felt uninspired I thought that was kind of just an added frustration where I was like I just I wish there was There was something else, a little bit of an interesting twist. And I do think you get that in the R2 moves. I like that ability where you can constantly kind of go in and out of those kind of like special meters and stuff. But it is interesting that these characters are so iconic that you have to cram everything about them in right down Mm -hmm. to the moveset. And it's like after so many games, even though there'll be so many games that are nowhere near as polished or as mechanically satisfying as this game, Mm -hmm. you still have to kind of exist in the space where people have experience with them with people kind of have a certain level of expectation or muscle memory going into it and it's it's a strange kind of issue it's not even necessarily an issue but it's something that i picked up on as it's a very kind much of like, like, what they,
1: like what are they bringing to the table man. yeah other than just yeah, like yeah. doing more of the same again but you and did you find yeah. the same because like obviously their signature moves but i, I guess i know exactly what josh means
2: No, I didn't. And I think I'm not going to say that what you said there, Josh, is unfair because I think it is totally legitimate. I just think what else can they really do in this situation? You know, they're bringing Hulk. If they didn't have the thunderclap, it would be weird. And I think the best thing for me was the, the funnest time, the most fun I had playing the beta was playing as Kamala because I recognized so many different moves that they've pulled from the comics. Yeah, the whole Ambigan ability. And this is the the, the most frustrating thing for me about this. If we're going to talk about the game's identity in terms of what it's taking from the comics, what it's taking from the MCU, is that it feels like a half measure of both. Mm-hmm. Um, and I already mentioned before that I didn't, you know, in the run up to the game coming out, I wasn't too uh, absorbed by sort. Square Enix's um, aesthetic depiction of the Marvel Universe. I thought it was very, almost too sci-fi in, in places, okay. and it looked like- are in places uh, and then when you play the beta you can definitely see where they've taken bits from the mcu and by far the worst thing that has ever happened to superhero media over the past 20 years <laughs> is people reading the ultimates by mark miller and brian hitch and taking all <laughs> the wrong lessons why does captain america look like a paramilitary dingus like it just looks so <laughs> stupid like embrace the fact that he's a superhero i think all the other designs are fine in that way mm-hmm. and i definitely think there are nods to the mcu you know, that roster like you say that isn't the classic Avengers roster. That is the roster that was, you know, apart from Kamala, that is the roster that was in the 2012 movie. And that is a calculated business decision to do that. I don't think it's a narrative decision. I think it it is calculated. Um, But equally, I think that it's existing in that post MCU zeitgeist, but it's still um, beholden to the comics and not in a bad way. I think it needs to lean more into those comic sensibilities when it can, you know, I love the idea of them making the, you know, Square Enix putting their own stamp on the universe, but I definitely think, you know, Um, The the lingering shadow of the MCU is is kind of overhanging it in certain ways, going back to that first E3 demo where Mm -hmm. the faces looked a little bit weird. And I do think the comparisons to that franchise are a little bit misplaced. However, equally, you must concede that you can definitely see the fingerprints of where the films have, le- have left on this. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's struggling to you know reconcile that with the fact that it is a very... And I'm not saying that you can't pull together different interpretations. Of course you have. Batman Arkham combined both the comics and the films and the animated series into- to form its one interpretation of the character. Mm-hmm. But equally, I definitely think I want to see more comic see elements come into play here.
1: But I mean the, the Arkham games like had an identity, like it was like rock, you know, it's it's Rocksteady's Batman, like you can point to those. I mean, they're big chunky characters. It's mm-hmm. very um, I forgot the dude that did Hush, but it always reminded me of the way he looks on the cover to that. I don't know it's not like the defining look of chunky ass Batman, but it reminded me of that. <laughs> and um, but that's the thing, just to add some nuance to like what Josh was saying about like using like the thunderclap and things like that. To me, it comes down to if I was gonna agree with Josh's see Josh's side of it, it is that you're just deploying a series of canned animations as opposed to like building them up in different ways that would result in you dynamically pulling off a thunder. The clap at the last minute. It's like it's a meter burn that results in a canned animation do you not, over and over again. Before before you go in, do you not think it's because there's a lack of
2: fluidity between each yes. move? Like if I was going to talk about Spider-Man or Batman Arkham, the reason why those combat systems work so well is because you're seamlessly integrating each yep. move. Whereas in Avengers, it that 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 same kind of fluidity, I don't know whether it's possible to make happen. I don't know if it's a, you know it's a restriction of the way the gameplay is itself. Either or you can't actually integrate that thing. You can't seamlessly transition from bonking and do Picking up two guys as Hulk and smashing them together, uh, you have to then drop them and then put your thumb to clap. There's yes. no kind of seamless transition. The way that, and that's the way you know they can't copy everything from Arkham or Spider-Man. Of course they no. can't. And each character needs to feel unique in that sense. But you know it's it's it. That's where the comparisons to Marvel Ultimate Alliance really stuck out to me in my head. And I don't want to reduce yeah. the game down to it is a 3D polished cinematic version of Raven Software's X-Men Legends games or Marvel Ultimate Alliance games. And you know I love those games as well. So it's not a negative thing to say. Um, um, but definitely, they played surprisingly similar. I, w- I would say. I don't know if that's the thing.
3: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like, kind of, as soon as I kind of picked up as Cap and I could do the shield throw, I was almost playing it as if I would play Cap in Ultimate Alliance, which again isn't a bad thing. But it is kind of, to me, it's the biggest deal. Isn't that a Thunderclap is in it? It's the fact that is indicative of kind of like a wider lack of either confidence or identity like you were saying there, you and like they are pulling from a lot of different inspirations but at times and again like scott said it almost feels like they're just deploying things you know about the character to kind of make up the characterization i don't think that comes through in the writing because i really like the writing i really like the way you know like i said before like like banners characterised, for instance but i feel like you know this is the avengers in a way that's kind of like an amalgamation of things you already know about the Avengers. So you've Very got safe. the iconic moves plugged in. You've got a look that's instantly recognizable. that has the shadow of the MCU hanging overhead. You have bits and pieces of story information that the casual player will be able to kind of um, look up to. And I am just kind of craving some kind of cohesive authorial stamp on why these um, uh, kind of decisions were made mm-hmm. and whether or not it's just because these things are so associated with the characters that you can't have a game without them, you know what I mean?
1: But I mean they that's the thing. They I mean we know what Insomniac Spider Man looks like. They got to do their own original costume for him and it's one of the best ones in like Spidey history. And it's like Crystal Dynamics have been out there saying like this is our take on the Avengers. It's a Crystal Dynamics version of the Avengers, but it doesn't really stand out. Like they've kind of they've had to smooth the curve on nearly everything. Like everything looks like the most sort of spreadsheet approach to these characters as possible. And in a way that like well in a massive way that takes away from the game's own identity. It doesn't really have a visual stamp of its own. more a combat sensibility that you could say, oh, that's that's Avengers combat. That's what they're leading with. And um, like I said, it's a lot of kind animations which feel fun and the production quality is extremely high, but you're not experimenting with like launching a body in one direction while grabbing someone else and then another player can grab them out the air and do something else. Like, you know, it just doesn't have those sort of like action game first um you know mentalities i did want to touch on the monetization stuff before we finish because i mentioned that at the beginning um, but they made a pledge to say there's not going to be any loot boxes in this but there are paid um battle pass tiers for each individual character um, so like my whole you know conspiratorial head only brings back in my theory about square enix again because they would much rather you pay your way through the individual character tiers than grind out the invisible loot system that they've put on as an alternative Mm. I
2: mean, I, I'm going to say the game game's, game's got to make some money. That's the, that's all I'm going to say. The it game has make to a make, lot of money. The, the game has to keep making money once it's out, and you know that mm. that's the reason why Star Wars Battlefront Two died was because after the loot box um, shenanigans, uh, EA and Dice couldn't think of a very simple way to save you know monetize that game post launch. Hence, why you had the Celebration Edition come out in January, which pretty much hailed the end mm. of that game. Uh, and I, I think if they're going to i can't get too angry about this because it i feel as though it's a natural part of any games as a service title and in many ways if it's locked to a specific character then fair enough if you really 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 like a character like say Hawkeye, like me, and I'm there. Like, well, there's something in there that I'm going to get. And I'm enjoying my time playing it. Then maybe you would feel more compelled to invest in something like that. Not that, not mm-hmm. that I'm saying that the game should have that from the start or whatever, but equally at the same time, you got a way. You got to reconcile that with the fact the game still has to have some monetizable aspect in order to, you know, be considered worthwhile going forward post-launch.
1: Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. There's there's absolutely a business reality to long-term monetization. Like, you know, as a baseline sentence like obviously something like fall guys has a dlc store where you can buy a pack of fries and dress up as that and it's like i get that stuff but i just think that them sort of tagging on this potential battle pass thing and then you know you're paying to get through these battle pass tiers you're i mean the characters are going to be free but like i said the loot system being invisible it doesn't really engender much of like a well i want to pay i love this character so i'm going to pay my way through these tiers to get these costumes to get more crafting components or whatever to get more invisible loot it's just like to me those things don't add up necessarily but um yeah i get the the complete reality uh money side of it. Josh, what's your thoughts on that whole approach to monetization?
3: Yeah, like the, the issue for me is this the stuff that's in, that's included in there. Like what am I grinding out? What am I kind of like paying for? You know what I mean? When I when I when I saw that they had calling cards, a part mm. of me died a little bit because <laughs> I right I I've no like to stand on when it comes to monetization. I don't like it. But I will begrudgingly do it if there are things in there that I like, because I am only human and I enjoy shiny new things and upgrading and leveling up. So I have the um, the Call of Duty Power Pass, which I don't think is the best Power Pass by any means. But there are things in there that I enjoy working towards, you know, like the, n- the new weapon variants and stuff. But there is also a lot of crap in there that makes me question why I even bother, like the uh, <laughs> like the like like the calling cards, like the emblems and stuff like that. And when I look at kind of what the Avengers has to offer. Uh similarly, it is only that the costumes that I'm here for, it is just the different cosmetic items. And I don't know how how far and few between they're going to be in these battle passes, whether it is just going to be clogged up with a bunch of stuff that I don't necessarily want or I'm interested in. then I'm just kind of like, what are we really paying for here? What are you kind of like deferring for a proper reward to make everyone kind of invest into? Like, like you, instead of this stage... Any games as a service game is going to have some form of monetization, some form of microtransactions, some form of battle pass now, yeah. and I think there are ways to do that, it, like like decently in a way that isn't just kind of money grubbing. But when you have that, again, it's like a wider perspective thing. All the things I've talked about today aren't necessarily huge problems in and of themselves. It's just when it comes as a complete package. So when you have this battle pass style system combined with you know exclusivity deals for spider-man or or deals with verizon or kind of like these extra things that you can just see square enix presumably nickeling and diming every single part of this platform for profit Mm -hmm. and obviously they're a business but at what point do we kind of have to just not accept that and how and at what point does it encroach on the actual experience of what you're getting at what point does it just become an advertising platform Mm -hmm. for other things kind of like like Fortnite and a lot of other games as service games are struggling with the same uh, issues, are struggling with maintaining its own identity whilst being this money-making machine that you can plug a bunch of different things into, essentially.
1: Mm-hmm. But I mean I just there's so much Square Enix in this. Like there's so much publisher in this. And um, where even at the beginning, like I mentioned at the beginning of the pod, like, you know, they force you to make a Square Enix account, give over your birth date. We want to know when you were born, how old, you go. Know, we want to know a bunch of details about you before we'll even give you access to the beta, which was massively off-putting for me. I was like, I don't want to make a Square Enix account. I don't want you to have access to my personal data. Um, you know, any more than the world does right now. But yeah. <laughs>
2: Wait until they send you the, uh, the toothbrushes with their hidden
1: uh, electronic tags. That's, that's when you got to be really <laughs> worried. I'll probably get you. Um, we'll do a quick whip round of um, some final thoughts, I guess, because obviously the game is out. Um, I forget exactly when it's out, but it's September, September. 4th, yes. I think. Yes. I was going to yeah. say within a month, yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, September 4th, only a few weeks away. Uh, my thoughts are that I think it's going to be worth... I'm, I'm going to play it for the story um, just to see what that's like. I really want to see where these characters go, because um, yeah, even the the nice little sort of twist, if it's classed as a plot twist, about the reality of the experiments that's been done on people that have been affected by the terrorism mist and how Kamala sees that and, and thinks back on how, um, you know, her whole history with it. I, love, I like where they're going with that to keep it vague as hell. Um, so I'm curious where that stuff goes. But the everything about the way that the publisher interferes with it, the corporate side of it, um, just, I, I hate that stuff uh, in, in reality. So it's, it depends how much that gets in the way of the actual creativity that's in here. Um, for me, it's, it's a, very much a game of two halves. Um, you and where are you on it uh, this yeah. far
2: from this? I mean I, I'm, I'm pretty similar to you in the sense that you know I think the story is the most exciting thing about it I love I, th- I think the fact that we get to have Kamala Khan be the hero of an Avengers game in 2020 is such a cool thing to look at and it. enjoy yeah. uh, and there are definitely bits that I'm curious about the mystery they've got going on here I'm excited for the addition of more characters to come and I'm cautiously tentatively optimistic that this will be a game worth investing in I really want to find something new to play with my mates and the idea of playing as an Avenger with your mates and big epic scenarios really appeals to me. I just hope they find a way to make it more comic booky and ensure that mm. it has a proper identity that isn't a half measure of two different things that leaves you with a um, kind of an exciting middle. Uh, really go in on the comic booky stuff, really nail down its own aesthetic and um, make sure that the post-launch content is sufficiently narrative-driven, then I will be happy.
1: Be a happy man. Josh, where are you at?
3: Yes, I mean, uh, not to just echo everything you both have so eloquently <laughs> put there, but I'm more or less in the exact same boat. I'm here for the, here for the story. I want to see where that, uh, how that plays out. But more importantly, I'm here for the set pieces as well. Like we've disagreed in a way on the like opening set piece, but I want to see how they can kind of take those big superhero splash pages, those big superhero set pieces, and implement all of these different Avengers and hopefully all these different play styles and hopefully a bunch of different locations. I, I want to I get past this opening section and hopefully have these epic fights in these really kind of like lush environments, not just Barry's Baron's Barry, Barren wastelands or kind of repeated AIM corridors, you know what I mean? I want to be Mm -hmm. having epic fights, hopefully, with my friends uh, against some lush backdrops with some really interesting lore to back it up. And I hope that reveals itself further down the line and kind of beyond what we've seen here mm-hmm. uh, and i i you've got to assume they've got something up their sleeve like it so i will i, I will so. be back i will be back and hopefully the things that i've liked here are more pronounced in the final game and i get invested more into more into it than i was here because obviously this is a beta and mm. there is a kind of, you know, a disparate nature to it. And you are just thrown into all these systems, maybe gradually over time. I won't mind so much that the loot isn't, uh, you know, maybe not cosmetic or something.
1: Yeah, I think one of the biggest, like, potentially, like, one of the biggest positives that can come out of it is when the roster starts to come together. And they have nav- narrativized that story-wise. Like, you are, you know, getting getting the gang back together. Um, and that could go a long way into elevating, like, the general sort of sense of charm that feels a bit lacking from uh, the beta. But yeah. but, yeah, let us know down in the comments how you found the beta, if you're watching on the video side, and find us on Twitter if you're listening along on the audio platforms. Uh, for now, this has been the What Culture Gaming Podcast. I've been your host, Scott Tailford joined by Josh Brown. Goodbye. And Ewan Patterson. Goodbye and good night. And we'll catch you <laughs> next time. Bye. Bye. It's midday. It's one o'clock. <laughs> <laughs>